Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. You know, this is this is one of those things we we don't always know how to respond. We don't always know all of the right answers or what to do, and it sits with us. And as I said last night, I've just been collecting some thoughts. As, as, so. I apologize if some of what I say today seems a little bit random or it seems a little bit different than normal, but what happened is is not normal. It's 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 a shock. It's like what 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 happened? This happened in our city. This happened this happened in our community. What's going on? You know, I remember so this is we're in May of 2022. Ten years ago, in May of 2012, I was getting ready to graduate high school, and I had to. I was moving up to Western New York, and uh, I had to stand in a wedding on June 2nd, 2012, and then I started a job. I think it was on June 11th or 12th, 2012. And my graduation back home was on June 9th. And so I said, I'm not driving all the way up here to stand in a wedding, then driving back home from my graduation to Virginia, just to then drive back up here again to start a job. And so what I did is I I packed up late May, probably, I think at this point, late May, I packed up my 1997 Ford Crown Victoria Packed it to the brim with everything that I owned at the time. Not everything. My parents still say, Scott, you left some stuff here that you need to get out of this house. And they've moved twice since. And they're like, we're tired of moving your stuff. Um, but I didn't take everything. I got most of it now, though. But I, I, I had my car packed up, and I moved here to Western New York. And I had spent some time here. I have family in this area. I had had some friends in this area from a, from a job that I had worked. And so I had some affiliation with the area. But little did I know that I was going to eventually make this place home. I love it here. My wife is born and raised in Grand Island, and her whole family is from this area. said, I have aunts and uncles and cousins in this area. I developed deep friendships in this area. And I love this community. When I, when I go to different places and travel and let people know, hey, I lead a church in Buffalo. I'm at different church networking things. People are like, Buffalo, what's that like? Or they say, what's it like in the city? I'm six and a half hours drive away from the city. I, I don't know. You know, I'm there every once in a while. I'm there as much as you are. So, you know, you're asking me, what, and then some people know geography and they're saying, oh, it's cold there. Yes, it's cold. We all know that. That's the obvious. We know it's cold. And, you know, people have their different thoughts. And, but, and I'll go to other places and I enjoy them and I love exploring. And I love traveling, but I genuinely love this community. I love this city. I, 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 love, I love the culture. I love all of the amazing food that we have here. I love, I love that the bills are good now. <laughs> and I don't follow hockey, but if the Sabres ever win a Stanley Cup, I will be with all of you hockey fans all the way. I, I love everything about this community. And as many of us said, it's the city of good neighbors. You know, that's the, that's the title, Buffalo, the city of good neighbors. So the fact that something happened like what happened yesterday, it's, this happened here? This happened here? I've been 
embraced by so many people here. I love it. I, when I was living here for about four or five years, I went back home to Virginia one time and we were out to eat and I was talking with the waitress. I don't know why. Sometimes I just start chatting with people. I, sometimes I don't, but sometimes I do. And I'm feeling like very extroverted. So I'm chatting and the waitress said, well, where are you from? I said, well, I'm from Buffalo. And my older brother said, no, you're not. I was like, hey, bro, just, first of all, calm down. He said, he said, you're from Virginia. I was like, yeah, that's true. Uh, I'm from Virginia, but I felt like Buffalo, even just after a couple years being here, that this is my home. These are my people. The people here are unbelievable. You just have to get past the first question, which is why did you move here? Once you get past that question, the people are so friendly. I've had people in, you know, invite me in their homes. I, I've, I've had people you know, have me over for meals who barely know me. I, I just, I love this community. I love this city. And I think many of you do as well. That's why you're here. In fact, part of the vision behind New Story was, this is not, you know, the full vision, but kind of a secret vision I had was uh, people who are here in college students, a lot of times they graduate and they move somewhere else for, you know, better weather or a better job or something. I was hoping that people would become so connected to a community of faith here and fighting for this city that they would say, I don't want to leave Buffalo. I can't leave Buffalo because we are here for this city. That's, that's what we're, we are here for this city. So when something happens like what happened yesterday, where 10 people lost their lives, three people injured in an act of senseless violence and corruption, people start to say things. People start to talk. People, people. And he, here's what I know. I know that this is a city that we're going to come together as people and we're going to face the adversity head on even when it's difficult and we are going to come through this stronger than we were before. I know that we are here and we're invested and we are committed as a church, but also as people to say what, what that person did is not going to define who we are because we are going to overcome evil with good. So I just want to give you a few thoughts today as all of us are here and we're thinking, how do, how, and if, if you're watching online and you don't live here, please continue to pray for our community. And I just want to give us a, a few thoughts. The, the first thought is this. Somehow God is working. Somehow. Somehow God is working. But at the same time, excuse my language, this sucks. This is horrible. This is tragic. Somehow God is working, but this is difficult. This is heavy. This is complex. So I don't know if the best option is just, oh, let's slap a verse on this and move on. Sometimes there's just a time to mourn. It's, it's okay to be a little bit unsure. It's okay to be frightened. It's okay to, to feel broken. Because this is just heavy. And God is working, but we may not have the answer to it right now as to what exactly he's up to. And we don't always have to have the answer. But here's what we do know. Romans 8.22 says this, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. The whole creation, all of creation is groaning for restoration. All of creation is desiring and knowing that there's something different, that there's something better, that there's something else. 
And we as the church have to figure out how to live in this tension of already, but not yet. We live in the tension of already, but not yet. We already know as followers of Christ that Jesus is the resurrected King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he declared that his kingdom is at work within our midst. We already know that, but that is not yet fully realized throughout the fullness of creation. We are not yet at that moment where every knee will, where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We are not yet at that moment where there are no more tears and no more pain. We are not yet there. We are in this tension, in this space of already, but not yet. We already know that somehow resurrection will work out, but there's, this is heavy. And we may not always have a clear answer. It's, we're in the moment right now that the disciples were probably in on Saturday. After the, after the crucifixion on Friday and Sunday would eventually, but in Saturday, you're just sitting there and you're wondering, you're in shock. What's next? I don't know. And the greatest piece of encouragement I can say today is somehow God is working. It's like Joseph. Read Genesis chapter 37 through 50. Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers. Then things start to work out well for him and he's elevated to a, to a top-notch role in Potiphar's house. But then Potiphar's wife says, oh no, this guy bothered me. So then she ends up in prison. So then Joseph ends up in prison. And then he interprets some dreams while he's in prison. And the one guy said, hey, when I get out, because you interpreted my dream, I'll remember you. He forgets about Joseph. But then Joseph eventually gets out of prison. And, and then he's elevated to the second most powerful role in the world right under Pharaoh. <laughs> and And... And then eventually he's reunited with his brothers and he says to them, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And we know that's true. But if you look at the years of Joseph's life and all he went through, being sold into slavery, falsely accused and imprisoned and all of these, I mean, there had to be moments where he was wondering, (laughs) is this really the case? Because the pain and the up and down and the back and forth We will eventually get to that moment. God is working. He is good. But right now, this is just heavy. And somehow he's working. Somehow. Somehow. Some way. We're living in the tension of already, but not yet. The second thought I had was, we as a church, who are we going to be? And so these next, these next three are, the next three concepts are more about who are we going to be as a church. And, and the first thing is this, we are committed to bringing the kingdom to our city. We are committed to being present in our city and bringing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven to our city and to our community. We are not going to retreat. We are not going to back down. We are not going to shy away. We are committed to bringing the kingdom to our city. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we are already trying to figure out what else can we do? Because we're not, we're not going to take the view of the gospel that our role is just to stand back and feel safe and preserve our lives until we get to heaven one day. No, we have a role and responsibility right here, right now to bring the kingdom to our city and to be present in our city.
This is before Jesus came, but I think that we get a great model of how God desires to move through his people in Jeremiah chapter 29. Because in Jeremiah 29, the people of Israel are in exile in Babylon, a place that they don't want to be. And Babylon was wicked and corrupt and evil. We don't have time to get into all of that today. But God doesn't say to Israel, hey, just stay in your own little group, stay away from everything, and then you know what? And then you know what? I'll eventually come and get you. No, look at what God says to his people in Jeremiah 29, verses four through seven. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent out into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become fathers of the sons and daughters and take wives for sons and daughters to the husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. The last thing that we as the people of God right now need to do is to decrease and to shrink back and to fall away. The best thing that we can do is to increase and to bring light to darkness. He said, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will have welfare. In other words, God has something for his people to do in the city that he has placed them in. And he has placed New Story Church along with many other churches right here, right now in this moment. And what are we gonna do? We are gonna build healthy families. We're gonna fight for our community and we are going to stand with those who are hurting and we are going to not run from our city or run from our community. We are going to run into it and we are going to invest and we are going to stand with it and we are not going to be shaken and we are not going to be moved. We are committed to build building the kingdom in our city. Amen. That's what we're committed to doing. Seek the welfare of the city that we are in. Galatians 6 says, do not grow weary in doing good. We will not grow weary in doing good. So that's, that's part of the reason why we brought in Pastor Tucker and we said, hey, we want to give you some financial resources so that you can help families in need. And somebody came up to me in between services and said, hey, I want to do more. I want to help out more. So we're going to actually, I, I haven't even talked to Neil about this, but we're going to make an adjustment to our giving online later today. And there's going to be a response dropdown. And if you want to, if you, we're going to create a pool of funds that are going to go towards families who've been affected. We don't know exactly how that's all going to work out yet, but we are currently, I've already reached out to a couple churches in that area. And I've also reached out to Steve Tiber from Eight Days of Hope. And we're going to figure out how can we pull some resources together as the church to respond to what's happening. So if you just, if God moves in your heart, if you want to give in person, you can write something on an envelope and say, hey, this is for what happened for the families in Buffalo. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet, but we are going to pull funds together with other churches and ministries to bring relief and healing to that area. But then also with that, um, we've been made aware of a a food pantry in the area that's collecting food. And uh, because we don't know when that tops is going to reopen again. And for some people in that community, that is their tops. that's That's their place. And so we have a bunch of grocery bags out there, new story grocery bags. And we're asking that on the way out today, that you would take that bag with you and that you would bring it back next week full bring it back full food, and then we are going to deliver this and let them know that we as the church exist for our city. And we want to support those in that area who are bringing food to families who've been affected, bringing food to people in that community who may not currently have access to it. So please today, 
take a bag on your way out, bring it back full next week. And if you're moved in your heart to give towards, towards relief, we are going to do that as well. We are committed to building the kingdom in our city and fighting for our city. When we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we aren't just making a request. We are, we are saying we are going to participate in whatever God is doing around us. And we are committed to our city. Thirdly, this is a reflection point for all of us. Hate is never an option. We have to realize this and understand this. Hate is never an option. As the people of God, hate is not an option within the church. It's not an option. It's not on the table. It's not an option. We as followers of Jesus are to be motivated by love for all people. Hate is not an option. And so you might be saying, oh, well, I would never do anything like that what guy did yesterday. Well, I would hope not. But have you had some thoughts or spoken some words or been involved in some conversations that would actually be surrounded by bitterness, that would be surrounded, that would maybe even lead to hate or division? Have I been involved in conversations like that? This is one of those moments where we as the church, yes, we want to step out and we want to, we want to, you know, correct some things by bringing light to darkness, but we also need to make sure that we do a self-evaluation. Search my heart, God. Show me, how, I don't want to ever contribute to anything. You know, we don't want to ever contribute to anything. And so we have to let God search our hearts and show us where is bitterness or anger building up that could lead to hate or division, because that's not what we should be marked by as the church. I'm, I'm going to do a little exercise right now. Because some of you might be thinking, I don't know if I can think of anybody that I have anger or bitterness towards. And some of you know exactly, you're pretty self-aware and you know. But I'm gonna ask you in just a moment to close your eyes. And when I do that, I'm going to name some more popular names that could be, cons that could be considered to be controversial names depending on what household you come from. And then I'm gonna name some groups that could be considered to be controversial groups depending on what household you come from or what your context is. And I don't want you to say anything out loud when I name these names or these groups. I just want you to allow the Spirit of God to search your heart in this moment and see, do you feel any bitterness or anger welling up inside of you that could lead to hate and division? Because we as the church have to cleanse ourselves as well because we have to be marked by love. Oh, but what about this? Nope. We are people who are marked by love because he first loved us. Everyone close your eyes with me. Name a few names. Everyone should know these names. If you don't, it's a little troubling. But uh, also, yeah, I name, my name is names, so you might want to laugh. So everybody just get the laughs out right now, all right? Good, perfect. Here we go. President Joe Biden, Governor Kathy Hockel, former President Donald Trump, Governor Ron DeSantis, former President Barack Obama, former President George Bush, 
talk about groups. Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals. Those in the BLM movement, those who would be considered to be the wealthy or the elite. Maybe you think back a number of years ago to those who were in the Tea Party movement. The LGBTQ community. Business owners, governor employee, government employees. Maybe people of another faith or belief system. People who just disagree with you. Some of you, I could never name the name or the group because I don't know you personally enough and I don't know that person. But you know who it is. And think about it for just a moment. Now I dare you in this moment to in your heart pray, I repent for my bitterness and anger. God, show me how to love. Take a deep breath. All right, we can open our eyes again. But there's no room for hate within the body of Christ. It's, it's a little bit different for us because we have so many different people from different backgrounds and different groups. So the person or the group that you have difficulty with could be completely different than even the person sitting next to you. You just don't know. But in Jesus's time period, there was everybody pretty much hated tax collectors. They were the despised people of his generation. People despised them. They hated them because they were constantly taking advantage of other people and working two systems just for their own advantage. And what did Jesus do with the, maybe the most despised people of his time period? Look at this in Matthew chapter 9. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus spent time with the people and loved on the people who nobody else wanted to be around. We start to think, oh my, oh, well, if I spend time with those people, it could hurt my reputation. Or if I, if I spend time with those people, am I, am I, you know, am I promoting what they're doing? Jesus went into the house of a tax collector named Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. I don't think when Jesus was in that house, he was going, hey, Zach, that time that you took advantage of those people, that was a great one. I don't think he was doing that. But what he was doing was affirming his humanity and letting him know that he had dignity and value, even though everybody else treated him as if he didn't. And then from that, Zacchaeus was changed and transformed. 
most famous verse in all the scriptures, John 3, 16 and 17 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Notice Jesus, Jesus came to the world to save the world. The, the voice the voice of the world seeks to condemn. The voice of Jesus seeks to save and to rescue. The voice of the world is the voice that condemns and oppresses and points down. The voice of Jesus is the voice that desires to rescue. If we want to move forward and stop hating, we have to stop saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to be, you know, a little bit right wing and I'm going to try to fit Jesus into that. Or I'm going to be a little bit left wing and I'm going to try to fit Jesus into that. No, it's about I am going to follow Jesus and he will show us the way forward. It's about him above all else. It's about following him. And, and, and it is him. So for God so loved the world, here's a little exercise for you to do this week. Take that verse, write it down. For God so loved the world, but, and, and leave the, world, the word world out of it. And in where it says world, write down the name of that person in your heart that came up when you were praying just a moment ago. Or write down that group of people that just, they're just, and write it down and read it every single day. For God so loved, and read it every day and see how the love of Christ can begin to transform your heart and your life because hate is never an option in the body of Christ. Christ did not wage war by taking life. He waged war by laying down his life. That's the way of Jesus. And lastly, live the cross. We are committed to living the cross. That's what we have to be committed to. There are many of us, we acknowledge the cross. Oh yeah, I know about the cross. And there's been moments where it's changed us. But to truly believe the cross is for it to change our actions. It is for us to change how we see others. It is for us to change how we even interact with others. We're not just going to acknowledge the cross. Oh, it's this great thing, but we have to live the cross. And also it's not, just, oh, the cross is for me. No, the cross is for me, for others. It's for others. One of my favorite books in all the scriptures it's this little book called Philemon. It's like a half a page. It doesn't even have a chapter. If, you if you're like, I don't know if I want to read, start with Philemon. It's a really easy book to read. And it's this beautiful story of the Philemon who Paul must have known at one point in time in his ministry and Paul led him to Christ. And what we can gather from history and from the context of the letter is that Philemon had a runaway slave by the name of Onesimus. And Onesimus somehow encounters Paul and Paul leads Onesimus to Jesus. And then he says, hey, Onesimus, I'm gonna write a letter on your behalf to go back to Philemon and reconcile their relationship. This is scary. This is daunting. Because based off of the cultural expectations, Philemon, if he ever sees Onesimus, should stone him, maybe even kill him. Because as a runaway slave, he embarrassed Philemon. And the cultural expectations would be, you either stone this man or maybe even you kill him because he's embarrassed you, Philemon. But Paul asks Philemon to do something completely different than that. Something that would have brought embarrassment to Philemon based off of the cultural expectation. But Paul said, I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about the way of Jesus. And Paul gives us a beautiful picture here of what it means for us to 
live the cross. Not just acknowledge it, but to believe it and believe it in such a way that we start to live it. Because he writes this whole letter on behalf of Onesimus. And look at what he says to Philemon. For perhaps he, Onesimus, was for this reason separated from you for a while that you would have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. Philemon, I'm not even gonna ask you just to forgive him. I'm gonna ask you to forgive him and I'm gonna ask you to see him in a way that you've never seen him before. I'm gonna ask you to put him on equal standing with you. So not only is this gonna be embarrassing for you because you're not gonna go along with the cultural expectation, but I'm gonna ask you to take it a step further and see him as a brother especially, and he said, but how much more to you? Yeah, there we go. Sorry about that. I got a little crazy there. But more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more than you? But both in the flesh and in the Lord, if then you regard me, if you regard me as a partner, Philemon, if you regard me as a brother, accept him as you would me. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, Change that to my, charge that to my account. I invite the band to close us in this time, but just, just something to look at here. If he has wronged you in any way, finally, I want you to see him the same way you see me as someone who poured into you and invested in you, equal standing, brother, restored and fully alive. Society said, Philemon and Onesimus, you should hate one another. You should have nothing to do with one another. And Philemon, you should act out hate on Onesimus. That's what the expectation was. But then Paul says, not only do I want you to see him as a brother, but if he owes you anything at all, charge it to me. Charge it to me. I'll take that on. Just as Christ took on our sin for us. Oh, Paul, this could really ruin your reputation to affiliate with someone like Onesimus. I don't care. I don't care what culture says about my reputation. I care about what Christ has called me to do. That's what Paul says. Oh, Jesus, it could ruin your reputation to hang out with these sinners and tax collectors. He doesn't care. Because to live the cross is to see that all humans are created in the image of God and thus have value from God. And we are to move forward as one in Christ And just as Jesus was on the cross with his arms outstretched as a sacrifice for all of humanity, Paul stretches out his arms between Onesimus and Philemon and brings them together and says, whatever he owes you, I will pay it. This is what it means to live the cross, to speak up so that others can stand up, to stand by others even when it costs us something, to take up our cross and follow him. That's what it means to live the cross. And we are not going to engage with warfare by saying, oh, we are going to go take others' lives. No, but as Christ did, we are going to lay down our life for the sake of the other, just as Paul was willing to do for Onesimus here in this passage. That's the way of Jesus. That's the way that love moves forward. That's the way that peace is created. And that's how we can become the church that says we are not going to live in that old story, but we are going to live in the new story of life and hope and love. We are committed to living the cross. So as we're, as we're thinking through all of this, and I'm sure that there's more 
that's going to come out in, in the following weeks and we're thinking through this as a city and who we are, we know that somehow God is working. We may not see it right now or have all the, or know right now, but somehow God is working. We know that. Somehow he's up to something. Somehow he's doing this. And while we're moving forward and figuring that out, we as a church are committed to this city. We will not retreat. We will not run away. We are going to stay here and we're going to bring life and health and hope to our city to the best of our abilities. As we bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, we are committed to bringing the kingdom to our city. It's who we're going to be. And we are declaring today that hate is not an option. Hate is never an option. But we are going to be motivated by love lay down our life for the sake of the other. And lastly, we are going to live the cross. We believe it, so we're going to live it. And as we do that, we will begin to see his kingdom movement all around us. God is up to something. and We are committed to listening and learning and hearing to whatever it is that he has to say. And we are gonna pray for our city. and We're gonna bring the kingdom to our city. If you would please bow your heads and join me for prayer in this moment. Jesus, we thank you that we can talk to you. We thank you that as the psalmist cried out to you in Psalm 10, we can as well. As we wonder, why did the wicked have this opportunity? Why did the wicked have their day? How could this possibly happen? Somehow you're doing something. And while it feels like Saturday right now, we know that Eventually, somehow, some way, Sunday will come and you are doing a good work somehow. Jesus, we pray for our city. Once again, we pray for those who are hurting, who have lost loved ones. Pray for